All right, we're going from EV cars to anti-ESG. That's what we're doing, because we cover it all here. Let's switch right over to the anti-ESG investing story. So Constrained Capital's ESG, Orphans ETF, takes a look to capitalize on traditional non-ESG companies. Want to get some more details on this Constrained Capital CIO and founder. Mark Newman is with us. Thanks for being here. Um, I saw even today, I was reading in the post about um, over there at uh, BlackRock, I think it was, they were pulling money out. Some of the states were pulling that money out because they didn't like how much the firm was focusing on ESG. They said it's just too much and they felt like it was being rammed down their throats and they were putting some money aside to be invested differently. Um, is that a theme that you're starting to hear? Yeah, it appears that the pushback is starting to grow stronger as people focus on returns and a little bit less on the uh, virtuous nature that uh, ESG has sold to people. And uh, there's definitely pushback coming from the various pension funds out there. And just in general, I think the attorneys general in, uh, are looking into BlackRock's pushing this and sort of abandoning fiduciary duty in, in favor of collecting revenues and fees from, from ESG. Look, I'm not saying they are or aren't, but what I was saying was the theme of people are, are a little fed up because you don't make money as quickly, perhaps. So tell me a little bit about some alternate ideas. This is almost an anti-ESG fund, ORFN. Tell me a little bit about this ETF. Sure, the fund is based on the exclusions uh, of the ESG bubble and the constraints on capital that these various industries have suffered because of the bubble uh, from ESG. So for example, the nuclear energy sector, which is part of the utilities, that is a vital source of energy and US submarines and aircraft carriers run on nuclear energy. And basically there's a lot of headline risk that goes into nuclear energy with Chernobyl and Fukushima in the past, but look, Energy has costs. Efficient energy has costs, as does inefficient energy. So the ESG groups are pursuing uh, non-traditional alternatives, let's call them. And there's a lot of subsidies involved, but those are inefficient energy sources. Um, and as a result, we're trying, we're, we're basically declining, we're, we're lowering the amount of uh, efficient energy out there. And, you know, you, uh, people will suffer. I mean, look at the fossil fuel industry and the starving of that industry and what it's caused in inflation and current global uh, macro situation. Um, basically, you can't get to the future of energy without the present energy. And that's a great source. Fossil fuel is a great source of efficient energy. And it's done a lot over the uh, past century, eliminating hunger and poverty, heating homes, cooling homes. And we can't just abandon that. There'll be a lot of suffering without the fossil fuel industry. We need that to get to the future of energy. Right, so we're not going to find solar companies and EVs and EV charging stations and things like that in this fund. Are you finding, are you getting any pushback or are you just more focused on the love that you're getting on trying to focus on what was and what worked? Well, there's a lot of uh, digging in the heels because the industry, ESG industry has exploded and there are plenty of people capitalizing on the amount of inflows and the fees and revenues. So the pushback seems to be a lot from those who are you know, benefiting from ESG uh, as an investment theme. And the truth is ESG investors are suffering from lower returns, higher fees, and uh, basically failed objectives. And the biggest concern to me is the 
incredible amounts of risk that are being, you know, are a result of the excessive ESG movement. And, uh, you know, I look to capitalize on the potential reversion, the outflows away from ESG as the veil is lifted. And so the pushback is sort of me picking these stocks for purely fiduciary moral intentions of helping guys make money, where I think the ESG incentives are a little bit misaligned and misguided. Right. You said uh, nuclear energy is a vital source. The U.S. Navy has submarines and aircraft that stay out at sea for months using nuclear energy, um, that there aren't other ways to do that, and that uranium is more energy and cleaner than a ton of coal. Um, so I think the I think we're all getting a little lesson in what works, what has worked in the past. That being said, I'm moving away from some of the energy-related names. You also have what we used to call the sin stocks, right? Alcohol, gambling, to you know, tobacco. Tell me a little bit about how you decided to put those together in this fund. Right. So the underlying theme for the ETF is capital constraints industries under capital constraints, those excluded from the ESG bubble. And they tend to be, over time, higher expected return securities. So yes, the first three, the energy sort of space that we talked about a little bit and, and, and weapons too, is sort of what I call vital industries. And yes, the gambling, alcohol, tobacco are the sin side, but the tobacco and alcohol sector provide some unique attributes. First of all, a lot of those, um, those sectors are inflation protected. Uh, so there's a bit of that aspect. Plus, they have really nice dividends that are attractive. And look, I don't smoke and I don't really drink. But as an investor, my CFA charter holder sort of incentive to help people make money, those are nice aspects in those stocks that allow a, uh, a decent risk adjusted return profile. And that's part of it. And, you know, one other thing I might just quickly add, Coke and Pepsi are accepted in ESG and contribute massively to type two diabetes and obesity in our country costing over a trillion dollars a year. The alcohol and tobacco sector charges, uh, sorry, costs about six to 700 billion a year. That's not a small sum, but uh, you know, I'd find with, I have kids at home, Coke and Pepsi are potentially more addictive to my kids than alcohol and tobacco. And so I find ESG funds owning Coke and Pepsi are a little bit misleading and shunning of alcohol and tobacco it means that they have lower prices and therefore sort of higher expected returns within the basket and provide a nice balance within the entire sort of ESG basket that I've created. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm excited about the opportunity here that this brings for folks. Um, there's no doubt there is scientific evidence showing sugar too is very addictive. Um, I don't know if it's more or less addictive or whatever. I can't support or deny uh, your claims on that. But I am excited for you trying to do something different and uh, good luck to you. And of course, those investing. Mark Newman, Constrained Capital, thank you very much. Thank you very much.